When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, Tim. Uh, so as I was recording today's show, uh, right after the game, as I always do on Sundays, uh, <laughs> Boogate apparently erupted uh, across uh, Mets Twitter. Um, over the last few days, Javi Baez, Francisco Lindor, Kevin Pillar, maybe more, I, I don't know, uh, have been celebrating when they get on base with a thumbs down towards the dugout, towards the crowd, what have you. Uh, they were asked about it during postgame on Sunday. And Javi Baez uh, was kind enough to elaborate. He said it was a, uh, a shot back at the fans. Um, in my perspective, and of course, you know, by the time this is coming out, you've seen the quotes, you've seen all these spins on it. This is just simply my take on everything. I didn't, I mean, I, of course, I went back and watched the press conference, all that fun stuff. I don't really see anything wrong with it. Um, I think, you know, I, I think the Mets are giving the fans a uh, just a bit of their shit right back to them. And we're in New York. We are a tough bunch, and we should be able to take it. That being said, um, should it have been said in a press conference the way it was? Probably not. Did it come off a little antagonistic? Possibly. In any case, um, if, you, if you're going to dish it out, which throughout this season, it, it hasn't gone the Mets' way for the most part, uh, fans have been vocal about their displeasure. If you're going to, like I was saying, if you're going to dish it out, um, you, you, you got to be able to take it. Is it a little jarring to see players give the fans their stuff right back to them? Of course, naturally. Um, is it all being done in good fun, in my opinion? Yeah. I don't think this is a personal attack on Mets fans. I think that's how it was spun immediately because, you know, we all know why. Um, I, I just don't see it like that. In my head, this was uh, your friends getting on you after you got on them. Just good-natured ribbing. The relationship between Mets fans and their team is a complicated one. Always has been. In this case, again, did, did it come off as a bit abrasive? I can see that. Yes, I can understand the uh, fans, be, the the section of fans that are upset about this. I don't necessarily agree with the level of. Um, displeasure, but I'm not, you know, I, I can understand where they're coming from, especially people who have, you know, poured hard-earned money into going to see this team or taking the family to the game. Sure. Could this rub people the wrong way? Absolutely. And I'm not uh, arguing with anyone who feels that way. It, it, that's that's their prerogative to feel that way. Personally, no, this means I'm this is nothing. This is 
if anything, this is a way for the players to de- develop a a closer relationship with the fans. It makes it a little more personal that, oh, hey, look, they're doing our thing right back to us. Uh, you know, and, and I guess it would be different if the Mets hadn't weren't in the position they were in right now. The Mets, where they are now, after everything that's happened, and we're going to listen to the show in a second, you'll, you'll, we talk all about it. Um, maybe they're not in a place to boo the fans back. Um, but I mean, as I'm saying it, as I'm, I'm laughing, this is, I just, you know, I understand the frustrations. I I just, I don't subscribe to it. Um, you know, I respect everyone's opinion on this. Everyone's going to fan in their own way. And now this is a very unique situation where everyone's fandom is kind of being called, not not called into question, but tested. (laughs) How much are you willing to take from your team? Some people took this as a personal attack. And again, I just don't understand that. But the chain of events from press conference and the, the words right in there, but the, pre, the, chain of, the chain of communication between Mets players and their press conferences to the fans, that, and this goes for anything. This goes for Mets. This goes for sports. This goes for the world news, whatever. It's all in how the news is presented to you. Um, I, I just feel that this was blown out of proportion a bit. I, uh, again, I think the way that it was spun certainly caused an, an, an uproar. And I don't know, that's not to, I, I know everyone has a job to do and there's nothing wrong with that, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I soaked it in myself because as I said, I was recording the show during while this happened. I opened up Twitter and saw a couple of tweets and I said, oh, wow, okay. So I had the thing recording anyway and I went back and watched it and said, oh, well, <laughs> that explains the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the excitement. And, you know, I guess I took it the way I took it. You can see I put a tweet up on Twitter. I'll, I'll go ahead and, and recite it verbatim. So they're giving our shit right back to us. I'm with it 100%. It keeps everyone in the game. Uh, on their game, my apologies. And then I followed up with, I'm taking this as a jovial, mutual respect type of thing. Um, like I said, like messing with your friends after they mess with you. It's not as, not the personal attack on Mets fans that's being presented as, oh wow. I kind of repeated myself, but in any case, um, I could be wrong, but I also think that Mets fans should embrace this and this is how we celebrate now. This is how we, oh, Mets, Mets, got, Mets player hit a home run, boom. Boom vociferously with a smile on your face. Big strikeout in a big spot, just scream it from the top of your lungs. Boo! Really, let's take this and run with it, guys. This is this could really be a special, unique thing. I wish it hadn't been uh, so poorly received. But, you know, if the Mets can keep on winning games, which, again, we'll get into the show, you hear all about it. Um, winning ails all that, uh, it cares all that ails you. Shit, I, I messed that up. But, uh, you know, it, it, if they can actually keep winning and this turns into a thing just like the Churv did months ago, I think we can all come to accept it. Right now, yeah, it's a little, um, I, I don't blame anyone who was taken aback for being taken aback. I guess that's what I should say. Personally, I just, you know, I, I don't see the, uh, the cause for concern, the cause for uproar, but, 
you know, you know me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a laid back fan. That all being said, let's get into the show. Andrew, my friend, would you hit the music? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder from the Apple. Just me today. Uh, do a quick one, I guess. Mets finally won a series. Much needed. Uh, I guess I, I wanted, yeah, it's their first series win against a team, not the Nationals, since their uh, 2-1 series win over Toronto, July 23rd to 25th. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a long time. You know, the Mets came into the weekend absolutely needing to turn things around. Uh, that's pretty much going to be the the rallying cry from here on out. Either win or you're that much closer to uh, to your season ending. And, you know, the chances of them actually pulling this off are between slim and none. But, you know, until that final, rel- final bell rings... Uh, we're certainly going to keep our our hopes somewhat alive, or at least uh, I guess in a in a acceptable ratio to uh, to where they actually stand. We're optimists. We're not delusional. Uh, so yeah, the Mets they lost on Friday. Um, they carried over their absolutely just atrocious offensive uh, stretch against the Dodgers and the Giants into their first game uh, over three games against the Nationals. And you know it. They lost two to one. That just the bats weren't there. They got absolutely just you know manhandled by a team that shouldn't have have done so. Uh, Paolo Espino, I think for the second time this season, <laughs> uh, just you know it treated the Mets as if you know he's been doing this for for years and uh, and he's a, a proven guy. You know, you know this happens just really just much too often to this team we've seen it um so many times and you know it's it's almost a, a running joke at this point but after the loss on friday um between you know on july 28th and then waking up on saturday august 28th the mets had lost they were four games up in division five games ahead of atlanta on july 28th <laughs> on saturday waking up after losing on friday they were eight and a half games back of Atlanta in the division. Um, you know, during that stretch, we all saw it very for firsthand. We we yeah we we talked about it here a bunch. Um, the Mets, I have the numbers here, and this is going into of course Saturday's game. The, the Mets hit two twenty five, two ninety six, three forty five as a team, seventy nine weighted runs created plus, so about twenty one percent shy of an average average, you know, league number, or uh, for a team, I should say, you know, going into a stretch that, you know, and, and we, I've heard it said, and it, there is a, a sliver of credence to this that, yeah, the Mets stayed real close uh, with the, the Dodgers and the Giants. They lost eight games by one run. I believe in six of those games, they scored two runs or less. Um, shout out to Steve Jacobson on Twitter for pointing out my mistake. I <laughs> I made a just an egregious mistake in counting off my games. I had to go back and change the article and, and correct the tweet and all that stuff. But yeah, it, you know, the, um, the Mets had just so many opportunities. And, and 
I, you know, in the 14 games they lost, so that's a 13 against L.A. and San Francisco and the one against Washington, they stranded 108 guys on base. Um, they went 40 for 211 with runners in scoring position. That's a 190 batting average, uh, an OPS of, let me see if I could do my math real quick, uh, 578. Yeah, with a 59 weighted runs created plus. Just, uh, you know, I use the word abominable, and it is. It was. It was awful. And then, you know, baseball, it just, it's baseball. These things happen. And, yeah, this was a, a really, really low, low point in, in, you know, you could probably look at the entire league and say no one's had this rough of a go for such a prolonged stretch. Maybe the Orioles. I know the Rangers have had some really, really tough stretches this year, but, you know, Dropping 12 and a half games in the standings, well, 13 and a half, if you count the, uh, <laughs> the, the gap between themselves and Atlanta over that span. It's, um, it's almost unbelievable. And, you know, we've heard the continued positive approach. We've heard that everything's fine. And, you know, for a while, even, you know, <laughs> you guys are listening. You know how I am on Twitter. Um, you know, while the Mets were still in the mix, still in the, you know, still leading the, leading the division, but you could see where it was heading. I held out hope. I said, Hey, just turn it around, just turn it around. And it just, you know, it never happened. And now that things have just completely gone South, um, you know, that hope is, is for the most part gone. You know, a lot, a lot of fans are, are justifiably upset. I, I, I get that there was, a lot of excitement we all needed this season. Um, it just you know, after what after what we all went through over the last year and a half, two years, we needed this baseball season. And for the first half, boy, it felt absolutely magical. And then, you know, it fell apart. These things will happen. We've seen uh, <laughs> we've seen some pretty bad stuff happen watching this team for as long as we have. So it's you know, it's part of the game. Um, is it? You know, it's a real shitty situation. Of course it is. They'll they'll have to just continue moving past it. And, you know, Saturday they kind of came out and, and I, I don't want to say they necessarily did that because it took a little while for that engine to get going. Again, a, a pitcher who, who the Mets, you know, really should have had no – I don't want to say no issue with. He's a professional. He's there for a reason. But, but Sean Nolan – from, from Seaford, Long Island. So, Sean Nolan, you do have a, a, a section of fans. And, you know, for he, he put forth the, the start of his 11 – or tw- I guess his 12th start. That was his 12th start last night. The start of his short career. When uh went 5.1. He had two earned runs on his on his uh, docket when he left. Six strikeouts, no walks. That's a uh, – you know, coming back to his home island, I guess you could say. Queens is a part of – it's on Long Island. It's not a part of Long Island. It's a That's a discussion for another episode. But, you know, you come home and, and you, you you show up and it's front of, in front of a packed house on Jerry Kuzman's uh, – Jerry Kuzman night, his number's getting retired. It was an energetic crowd. Um, talking to our one of our photographers over at the Apple, Christopher Simon – Shout out to to both of my, my my guys, Chris Simon and Roberto Carlo. They've been putting to just you know sending over outstanding outstanding photographs. Um, trying to use everything I can that's I guess uh, applicable to the uh, 
glued to the situation, but boy, I got, I have images for, uh, for months. You guys are going to be seeing a lot of great images attached to the articles at the Apple to on Twitter, all that fun stuff. But you know, um, Chris Simon speaking to him on Saturday, on Sunday morning, I should say, you know, the, the atmosphere and the energy was, was there. It was, um, it felt like the Mets were back in a independent race, which at this current point they're not in. And it's, it's highly doubtful they'll be back in that mix, but again, always possible. But yeah, the energy was there. And, and, you know, for the first time in a very long time, and it took, it kind of took until, uh, until Sean Nolan left the game, but, uh, you know, the Mets woke up. You have Kevin Pillar with two big home runs. Uh, Michael Conforto, of course, he's continuing. He had a little lull in the, in the middle of the uh, late, I guess, the later half of the month. Um, but still uh, looking very much like Michael Conforto again after just uh, uh, totally uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic and uh, uncharacteristically long drought or funk at the plate for Michael Conforto this season. In August, he's been the hitter that he, you know, we've known him to be. And uh, he's certainly coming out of the uh, the doldrums effectively. You just got to stay there. And, and of course, as fans, we all hope he would have came to this conclusion a little bit earlier. But uh, at this point, you have to imagine that the Mets are going to extend Conforto a, a qualifying offer. They are, I would assume he's going to take it unless he finds a real nice deal somewhere else. But, um, with his agent, Scott Boris, I'm sure they're already hard at work uh, doing all they can before the offseason kicks off. But, you know, in Conforto's situation, all he can do is turn his game around and and let that speak for itself. Um, he certainly played his way out of some money this season. But just like the next guy we're going to talk about, Marcus Stroman, uh, who took the Mets qualifying offer last season, essentially bet on himself, Michael Conforto has will likely have the opportunity to do the same thing this year and if he did indeed find regain his his stroke over the last few weeks and that carries over through the end of the season and he comes out uh you know comes out of this season with a little bit of momentum it could bode well for his future and and if especially if he's playing for one, his qualifying offer next year, that, that contract and moving forward, of course, you know, I hate to get inside players' heads, but it's more than, more than arguable that, that Conforto's upcoming contract status very, may have very well got into his head. Again, I'm not speculating. I'm just saying it's possible. Uh, yeah, if you read, you know that's not our style. We don't put, put ourselves in, in anybody else's head. We try to deduce the answer through uh, through other means or, or the best we can. But we, we, we certainly don't uh, consider ourselves psychiatrists, psychologists, or uh, masters of of the, uh, the the baseball mind. So we take what we can get and we, we, we take it from there. So anyway, Conforto will uh, – Certainly have the opportunity to be back here. I would imagine that, despite the, the uh, some of the sentiments around here this season, one would imagine overall his uh, experience in New York has been just more than pleasurable. And you know, I'm sure they all want to see this through. We heard Noah Syndergaard talk about it this week. How uh, you know he couldn't see himself leaving New York or leaving the Mets, and. 
how 2015 still lingers, and it was a, a high point in his career, of course. And, uh, you know, I think everyone's kind of on board with that kind of unified goal. And, yeah, you have to hope so. You have to hope the Mets do want to give this another try because, you know, personally, I think this core has much more than a sub-500 season in them. But uh, until they prove otherwise, you know, that's just that's just hot air. And, you know, again, that's kind of where a, a, a strong finish can can turn, but as let's get back to Saturday's game. The Mets came back, and the only reason they did come come back is because once again, uh, Marcus Stroman just put forth a a absolutely terrific outing, um, uh, wonderful effort. Uh, it's his twentieth outing out of twenty seven starts this season, allowing two earned runs or fewer. His two point eight five ERA that he came into the night with on Saturday didn't budge, left the game with a 2.85 ERA. Like, that is just consistency. That's the epitome of consistency. You know what he is coming in, and he gave you exactly what you expected. It's uh, It's been very cool to see. By the way, quick note on Noah Syndergaard. Noah Syndergaard was, uh, I guess it was heavily, re- the Mets announced that he was not going to make his scheduled uh outing with Brooklyn on Sunday because of a non-baseball injury. Uh, Many, many reports came out just following, or actually just before, I want to say, but it was all right at the same time, pretty much, that uh, Syndergaard was was, uh, uh, tested positive for COVID. Uh, Of course, we send our our thoughts and prayers to Noah Syndergaard. It was his birthday on Sunday, which makes it (laughs) even worse, but um, certainly hope that he's uh, not feeling any ill effects, that he comes out of this okay. Uh, It has been reported, and I believe Louis Rojas confirmed that uh, Syndergaard was fully vaccinated. I believe a report came out just once after the game started, just ahead of the game, that on Sunday, that Syndergaard uh, was asymptomatic. So again, Hopefully it's uh, short-lived and, and without much drama and, uh, you know, I guess goes to show you what a what a vaccine can do because what this new variant of, of COVID is doing to people is just, uh, it's awful and it's preventable. And we'll leave that at that. So uh, back, to, back to Marcus Stroman. We got a little off track there. Marcus Stroman, again, put... Uh, six innings, two earned runs, five strikeouts, and a walk on Saturday. Just absolutely doing his job and then some. With all of the adversity, not just the Mets have faced this year, but their starting rotation. You've had Carlos Carrasco go down, and his absence was very prolonged. Um, Noah Syndergaard, who could have been back in June, his setback, and now he's just returning now, and with the COVID, let's just hope that he does... Uh, get some work in before the season comes to an end. David Peterson, who you know came into the year and and was certainly budding into a uh, a rotational stalwart, um, he went down. Joey Lucchese, who was really coming out of his shell, he went down. Jacob Degrom, who was having arguably the best you know start uh, in Major League history for any starting pitcher, he went down. Uh, you know it. it after a while, it just seemed like, oh, well, this is a lost cause. And, you know, and that's also including Taiwan Walker's little downturn after he made the All-Star game. Tyler McGill's kind of ups and downs. And we'll talk about his outing on Sunday when we come back. But, uh, you know, Marcus Stroman has been that guy. He's been just 
you like I said earlier, you know exactly what he's going to bring to the table when he's on the mound, and, and he goes out and he does his job to the best of his ability. So after his start on Saturday, uh, here are some of his major league rankings among qualified starting pitchers. 2.14 walks per nine innings. That's 18th. 0.83 home runs per nine. That's 10th. 1.13 walks and hits per inning. That's whip. That's 21st. 49.8% ground ball rate is eighth in baseball. Now, in the first half of the season, Stroman had a 52.3% ground ball rate. That's dropped considerably in the second half to 44.7%. I believe he entered the second half of the season third in baseball or fourth in baseball. Now he's eighth. He's still, his effectiveness hasn't really wavered. Uh, uh, you know, we assume he's coming with a different approach if he's getting entirely just different contact. And, uh, you know, Marcus Stroman, he's a, he's, uh, he's a leopard out there. He blends in, he adapts, he, you know, he, um, it's, it's just from the outside looking in without knowing what the actual changes are. It just, it seems like he's just trying to stay not even one, two steps ahead of hitters. And uh, boy, it's, it's all coming to a head, and it's it's really working for him. It's it's very cool to see. Uh, also, a note: Marcus Stroman logged his 1,000th major league inning on Saturday. Congratulations, of course. Uh, it just you know, if I'm the Mets, he's earned not only a, a, a contract in a, a, a sizable contract in general, but boy, if if I'm the Mets, he seems like the perfect. I guess, of course, if DeGrom's in the mix, he's going to be a number two. But, boy, if he's pitching like this, he's practically a 1A, right? He's a one on – if he's going to pitch at this level, he's a one on most staffs. And I'm sure going into free agency, uh, you know, the – his body of work is going to speak for itself. I mean, coming off of those injuries earlier in his career, um, he got back into the mix there. His 2019 season with Toronto, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball. Came over the Mets, um, had a little, I guess, I, I don't want to say it was it was trouble, I guess, acclimating to a new place, but I guess there's always natural little getting used to things, and I think we saw that come and go pretty quickly. I believe it was only three or four starts, and then from then to the end of the season, he was this pitcher again. Guy took off the entire 2020 year. He bet on himself. <coughs> Excuse me. And he's, you know, he's that that wager is going to pay off handsomely. It's, it's just been very cool to see from a fan standpoint, uh, from from an organizational standpoint. You you feel like the Mets kind of have to, like I was saying, explore that that uh, avenue of keeping Marcus Stroman in the fold. I guess you know, in the days of the Wilpons, you would say, oh, well, Marcus Stroman priced himself out of the Mets' plans. Well, that's not the case anymore, and you, you, with all the uh, the talking that you're hearing from Steve Cohen online, and and the, oh, this team's got to do better. Well, yeah, they do have to do better. And at the end of the day, once this season is over, now that responsibility is directly in your lap. So you you, you know, Steve Cohen and and whoever the front office is going to be comprised of, if, who knows if he's making changes. This could be a really eventful off season. But uh, when it comes to Marcus Stroman, I just Back to my original point, it seems like he's a guy that should be in the mix. 
if you can get him in, in you know keep him in flushing on a four year deal even better you don't you know paying pitchers uh, you know over that 34 35 year old hump it's always been a, a gamble the risk gets a little higher Marcus Stroman certainly has a uh, a dedication to not only his craft but keeping himself you know in pitching shape he talked about that a bit on Saturday uh, after the game just uh, I guess about the uh, the work that he puts in to, to make himself the reliable player that he is he thanked his training staff he thanked the training staffs in Toronto and New York it was actually pretty cool to hear but um you know it, I wouldn't if I'm the Mets I don't have a a huge issue going to his 35 year old season just because he works so hard to keep himself in in game shape. Um, but again, the risk is just a little bit, you know, notched up. It's not like Stroman's out there throwing 98, 99 miles an hour, and and that side of his game is going to come off as he gets older. No, he's been that crafty veteran this entire time in Toronto here. He's came up as a, cra- a guy who could throw, not just pitch. Um, you could tell by his repertoire. You could tell by just the way he carries himself on the mound. He's a, he's a thinking man's pitcher. And we said it earlier, he's not a step ahead of, of hitters. He's two, maybe even three steps ahead of hitters. It's, uh, boy, this just turned into the Marcus Stroman adulation uh, episode. But, you know, honestly, after the season that he's put, put forward, it, it, he deserves it. And he deserves what he's getting in free agency this year. And I guess as a fan, we just, uh, at least personally, I, uh, I hope that he's in Queens for the, the foreseeable future at least. But uh, on that note, we're going to take a very quick break. We will uh, come back, talk a bit about Sunday, talk a bit about what's on the uh, on the docket coming up for these Metropolitans. And, uh, and yeah, we'll take it from there. Hang tight. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we are back. So yeah, the Mets, uh, they, they, <laughs> they won their first game since on Saturday. Of course, they won their first. Ah, oh, shit. Let me start that over. Sorry, man. Three. Two, and we are back. So, on Saturday, the Mets won their first game since the previous Sunday versus the Dodgers in L.A. That was Javi Baez's slide. It seems like a month ago. But it wasn't. It was a week ago. And and the Mets finally got their second win since then and came into Sunday all well and good. Tyler McGill, who we just talked about a little bit uh, earlier, um, he... You know, coming off a, a very tough outing against the Giants. Four home runs, got hit hard. He hasn't been hit hard many times during his uh, his short major league career, but his last start was one of them. Came out Sunday and was Tyler McGill again. Uh, Tyler McGill again. That came off, rolled right off the tongue funny. Uh, Josh Bell hit a two-run homer early off of him. Came on a changeup, and it was, it was barely even in the strike zone. I put a tweet up on Twitter. Again, boy, I'm just full of these little tongue twisters. Um, it, it's not 
the air. All right. So one, first of all, Tyler McGill's changeup really hasn't been hit hard unless he leaves it over the center of the plate this year. This was not a situation like that. As I said, it was it was well um, off of the outside of the plate. Uh, Bell's a left-handed hitter. It was on his outside. Uh, well, I, I would say off the outside black, but Bell took it the other way and, and, and crushed it and tip your cap to him. It was a good pitch. And, uh, and yeah, Bell took it the other way. He'll do that. He's had a tough year, but he's finally coming around now. Um, and Miguel just, you know, unfazed. He's had that type of poise all year. Unfazed, kept on moving. And, uh, and the Mets offense finally showed up. It was, uh, it was very cool to see. So, you know, you have McGill just kind of rolling through. He's down to nothing. And boom, all of a sudden you have a little action. You know, Javi, I guess, the, I'm sorry, the Mets were down 2-1 uh, two, two, after uh, Bell's homer. My apologies. But uh, and then in the bottom of the fourth, Javi, Javi Baez, if you were in the stadium, if you were watching on TV, I... I Grab the clip and put it up on Twitter if you want to hear it again. The sound off of the off of Javier Baez's bat on that two-run homer, uh, 444 feet, I, I believe. I think that's what I saw. It was just absolutely gorgeous. That's you know, Javier Baez is going to strike out. They, the Mets knew what they were getting when they traded for him, but man, when he's hot and he just before he got traded to the Mets, he was scorching hot. When he's hot, he is a, a game changer. His fielding's consistently amazing in any case. But, um, yeah, it, it looks like he's coming into a little uh, a bit of a, a hot stretch now. And, and if that rip on Sunday was any indication, I'd say he's certainly uh, well on his way. But, you know, the fun didn't even stop there. Uh, Pete Alonzo, who I think he had three hits on Sunday, he extended the lead again in the fifth. Uh, Juan Soto. <laughs> Just uh, you heard Keith Hernandez gushing over him during uh, gushing over him during the broadcast, and that was uh you know I could listen to that all day. I'm a very big Juan Soto fan. He's just 22 years old and he plays the game like he's you know uh, a three or four time MVP perennial All Star, uh, unreal. But um, made it a little bit closer, made it four three, and then if, uh, you know Tom Smith. Extended that to 5-3. Jonathan VR extends that to 7-3. Uh, later in the game, Josh Bell hits another home run. And I'm telling you, when he gets hot, he gets hot. 7-4. And, you know, the, the Mets could have kind of coasted. And we've kind of seen that movie play out a few more than a few times this year where, you know, oh, it's the Mets have a nice lead. Oh, and the Mets have, have a little lead. And, oh, God, this is going to turn into a train wreck. The Mets didn't let that happen. And that one... That's a testament to their bullpen work recently. I said it on Twitter on Sunday morning. Uh, heading into Sunday's game, the Mets bullpen had a 1.33 ERA over their last seven, over the last week. Second best in the majors over that span. In August, 3.52 ERA. Uh, tenth in the majors. For the season, their bullpen, this is of course again coming into Sunday, 3.88 ERA on the year. Also good for tenth in the majors. It, it's certainly been lost in the shuffle, and if, at times it hasn't been as, you know, as uh, as peachy keen as as the numbers might say. But boy, this bullpen has been a, a foundational piece for whatever success this team has found this year. Um, certainly lost in the shuffle, and again, there has been inconsistencies. But 
I'm very glad that this group is uh, is together, most of it through this season. Aaron Loop, who has been outstanding, uh, certainly has to be uh, at the top of the Mets' priority list to bring back into the fold next year. I'd get that done on Monday. Steve Cohen, Zach Scott, if you're listening, I'm sure you guys are. <laughs> I'm positive that you're uh, regular listeners. Um, if you're listening, I-, I would approach that uh, subject post-haste. Aaron Loop was a uh, arguably an MVP in that group. Um, you know, you have a lot of talent back there. And another year of Jeremy Hefner, who's been unbelievable, uh, working with these guys, I, I bet on this group. And, I, you know, I bet on the core of this group, the offensive side too, but we'll get to that in a second. Speaking of the core, though, uh, you know, the Mets st- kept on coming on, on Sunday and – Excuse me. Uh, You know, Francisco Lindor had a rocket double, score two runs, make it Uh, 9-4. They had more runs on the table, but hey, nine runs is good enough. I think Gary Cohen said on the broadcast it's the most runs they'd scored in six weeks. Excuse me. My goodness. Again, the the, the Mets have so much work ahead of them if they want to make an actual run at Atlanta. And it's not just on the Mets at this point. They they had their destiny in their hands, you know, a month ago, more than a month. Ago, well, up until about a month ago, they were still sitting sitting reasonably pretty with the uh, opportunity, you know, of a lifetime ahead of them. Things have happened since. Now it's out of their control. But you know, over the next four weeks, five weeks, there's five weeks left in the season, so. The Mets just finish up their three with Atlanta. They now start four with Miami in three days, starting on Tuesday. One of those is the suspended game from earlier in the season. Then you have a five-game series with Washington. You have, yeah, Friday, two on Saturday, one on Sunday, one on Monday. Three more with Miami. During that span, anything can happen with Atlanta. They, they showed up and, and played well on Sunday against the Giants. I believe they took two of three at home against them. Mets made up a game. Uh, no, I'm sorry. They came into the weekend seven and a half. So they, they stayed even even in the standings, or at least in the, NL, uh, in the NL East throughout the weekend. But they didn't lose any games, which after what we've seen over the past few weeks, that's a plus. Um, you know, you're, you're facing – Basement dwellers in the Marlins and and the Nationals and the Nationals you've played well against as of late. Mets swept them earlier in uh, in July, earlier in August, and took two out of three this weekend. The Marlins have been a thorn in the Mets' side, but this is uh, I don't want to say this is his team you, you, that you should be beating because we've said it many times on the podcast this year. The Marlins are not a, a layover. They're not, uh, they're not a slouch, <laughs> as, uh, as their record indicates. They're, they're, they're a very talented young team who's also finding their way, also has battled inconsistency. And, yeah, they're going to be a, a, a force moving forward as well, man. Just Jazz Chisholm, Jesus Sanchez, you have that pitching staff. I believe uh, Jesus Luzardo had a – he, he let up a double and a walk to the first two batters on Sunday. I it's escaping me who they were playing and then retired his next 18 straight. 
it's a nice, it's a nice day. He's had a tough, tough, uh, tough go in Miami since coming over from Oakland. I'm a big Luzardo fan, and uh, he, uh, yeah, he's going to be a, um, a stud. They got so many over there. They got Sandy Alcantara. They got uh, Pablo Lopez. Uh, even the young guys, Nick Nider, he he's going to be okay. It's a just a it's a scary team now. If you're if you need a win, think about where they're going to be in you know even next year, two years. Forget about it. It's going to be tough, but it doesn't matter. Right now they are who they are, and the Mets are going to have to they're going to have to treat them like the like the basement dwellers they are. And as tough as that might be, well, you got to put your big boy pants on and go out there and, and play. You got to go out there and show the same fight that you did late in the game on Saturday and pretty much throughout the game on Sunday. Yeah, you just got to make it work. You, you have to. Because then you got the Yankees who, <laughs> up until they lost on Saturday, snapping a 13 game hitting, a 13 game win streak, you know, that's the hottest team in baseball right now. That's a team that went out and made. You know, not all the right moves at the trade deadline, but enough right moves to generate a spark. And I think, you know, going out and getting Javi Baez, that was cool. That's good. It wasn't enough. It, you, look at the Braves. Look at the, you know, look at the moves that they made and, and what that's done for their offense. And starting with Jock Peterson all the way down to Jorge Soler, it's just there's so much, um, so much talent. And now you have uh, Ian Anderson back, Max Fried's pitching well again. Yeah, so it was just a matter of time. Again, the Mets had their opportunities to keep either keep their lead intact or even stretch that lead out. And they just, you know, they didn't take advantage of them. It happens in baseball. It's very, very frustrating and moderately disappointing. But, you know, for the first time in a long time, I think all of us can say that the future is bright, no matter who's on the field for the Mets. You know, they have a core here, and you have to assume they're not going to go and sell off these under-control players um, just because they had one rough season. I know I wouldn't. There's going to be some changes going into this offseason or, or during this offseason going into 2022. But, you know, that's also part of baseball. It, there's going to be um, constant turnover. And, yes, I think we all can say with certainty that – the Dom Smith, this is just an example, the Dom Smith that we saw in 2021 or that we're seeing right now with a you know, mid-600s OPS, he's not the player that we know Dom Smith is. Is it arguable that the you know 900-plus OPS guy he was between 2019 and 2020 isn't him either? Sure, of course it is. But somewhere in between, hopefully closer to the 900 OPS, is, is where he is. We've seen that player. Um, the power's been an issue, of course, this year. And, you know, coming up, Dom Smith wasn't much of a power hitter. In the minors, he wasn't a power hitter. He was uh, he was an average guy. Uh, he was a doubles guy. And that's, you know, that's fine. That's all well and good. But, um, yeah, let's – if he could get back to that 280 with a 800 OPS hitter, um, that, that would be, you know, ideal, naturally. Again, these are just one of the many decisions the Mets are going to have to make. If the DH is going to be in the game next season, uh, that, of course, you know, Dom Smith or J.D. Davis lengthens your bench considerably. Jeff McNeil. Jeff McNeil came into the year, you know, as one of the, the best hitters in baseball since he made his debut. Has had a, um, he had a very, very nice stretch in early August, late July, 
But since then, it's just, you know, isn't the same guy. Is he playing hurt? Possibly. He's a gamer. He's not going to say nothing. The Mets need bodies out there. They need talented bodies out there to make a run. So uh, I would assume that even if he is hurt, it's not something so substantial that he's going to pull himself out of the lineup. He's going to play through it. And have the Mets suffered because that might be the case? Or if that is the case, have the Mets suffered because of it? Maybe. Maybe they have. There's you know eight other guys, seven other guys in the batting order who can pick their teammates up. And earlier in the year, we saw that all play out from everybody. For this stretch, now, it, again, the Mets finally look like they're coming out of it. For this stretch, it's uh, or for the, the stretch they just completed, nobody was picking anybody up. Pete Alonso and, and Brandon Nimmo were hitting, and they're having terrific seasons. But, boy, it was uh, a comedy of, of, of errors. I, I don't want to say errors because that has a, a defensive undertone to it. Uh, the defense has one, been one of the high points. And, again, there's been some inconsistencies, but, um, you know, there's been bright spots. Just they're going to be overshadowed by the month that this team just had. There's there's no other way around that. It's, uh, you know, I saw somebody compare it to, to 2007. And, you know, this is bad, you know, losing, going from four up to eight and a half or seven and a half back in a, over the course of a month. That's, you know, that's bad. Um, it's not as bad as <laughs> dropping seven games in the last 17 and losing the uh, the division on the last day of the season. Nothing's as bad as that. So uh, I guess to, an, to a point, it could always be worse. No. See, that's toxic positivity. <laughs> on that note, we're going to wrap it up there. Um, again, just win, baby. That's all this team can do at this point. Just win and hope for a lot of help. We will be back on Friday. Uh, hopefully with some more wins to discuss. I believe we're going to, uh, yeah. Yeah, Andrew, sorry. That's in uh, 37 minutes. Take that back. So on that note, we will be back on Friday, uh, hopefully with some more wins to discuss. You guys know where to find us. Uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, be sure to follow at the Apple, uh, any, you know, any paid subscribers that come onto the Apple, just know that you are greatly appreciated and uh, expect more content coming there. Definitely through the off season, we got big plans for where we're going in, in that regard. But yeah, just win, baby. That's it. We will see you guys on Friday. Let's go Mets. Peace. Peace.